You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Welcome back to Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, as we have been navigating ourselves through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. We're taking the summer to turn our ear to listen to these truths from the Savior about some very difficult, troubling problems of life. The Jewish leaders during the days of Jesus and long before his appearance on earth had twisted the words of God, and they were telling people things that sounded just like what God had said, but with a different spin, a different take, a human interpretation that caused all kinds of problems and all kinds of pain. And so Jesus, toward the beginning of his ministry, as he was sitting on those beautiful green hills that rolled down to the Sea of Galilee, Jesus gave this wonderful sermon to the masses where he would say over and over again, You've heard it said, but I tell you. And so we are listening to the things that Jesus had to say, the very things that he still wants us to know, and to believe and to practice today. You know, relationships, if you haven't noticed, and I'm sure that you have, relationships can be pretty messy. In a marriage, even though you're flesh of each other's flesh and bone of each other's bone, you can be as different as night and day And friendships, regardless of how long you've been in them, uh, friendships are full of ups and downs. We're there for them, they aren't there for us, they're there for us, we aren't there for them. Or at least it feels that way. That's the nature of the beast when it comes to relationships. But when conflict enters the scene, messy relationships become disasters. But Jesus had something to say about that when he was giving this wonderful Sermon on the Mount. Listen to his words in Matthew 5, 38-42 as Jesus provides for us the truth about relationships. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 
And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow. In that little synopsis, Jesus provides the solution for peaceful relationships. And honestly, even in just four verses, he covers almost every possible scenario for conflict. I've broken them down today into four different relationships, four different settings that all begin with the letter S. You may get so tired of preachers using alliteration. I get tired of preachers using alliteration, but here we go. We're going to use a little bit of alliteration today. The first scenario we could call striking. (laughs) When Jesus says, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, there's that word. I didn't just pull out a thesaurus. No, it's in the text. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If you notice, he sets the scene like he has already with those words, but I tell you, you have heard it said, but I tell you, and Jesus knew that the Jewish people, they were used to this idea of retaliation. They had heard about it a long time. In Exodus 21, the Mosaical Law gave the stipulations, and it said when injury occurs, take life for life, hand for hand, tooth for tooth, burn for burn, wound for wound, the whole deal. And that wasn't just the Mosaical Law. The Hammurabi Code of ancient Babylon and Roman law said that wrongdoers must suffer the very suffering that they imposed. But here was the difference. The Mosaical Law, given to Moses by God for Israel, the Mosaical Law was simply for judicial process. The Jews could not take matters of retaliation into their own hands. But that's what they were doing. Why were they doing it? Because the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they said that it was okay. So Jesus, the incarnate God in the flesh, performs the paradigm shift, and he tells his followers, don't resist an evil person. If they strike you on the right cheek, well, just go ahead and turn to them the left. Now that's pretty radical. Does Jesus really mean we can't ever defend ourselves? Is Jesus saying we can't resist at all? Well, I don't think so. Sometimes we need to resist. Spiritually speaking, James says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We, we can't let the devil have his way with us. And on a physical level, when tyrants take the lives of innocent people, when brutal dictators murder their citizens, when our own lives are in danger from some foreign enemy, 
we have to do something. We can't just sit back and watch innocent people die or be killed ourselves. I wouldn't say that Jesus is giving us a proof text for pacifism. In matters of spiritual apostasy and in matters of physical torture and genocide, I think as God's people with spiritual obligation, we have to do something to intervene. Here's what I think Jesus is talking about. When it comes to your relationships with other people on a day-to-day basis, you just have to learn to let some things go. You don't always have to be in a fight. You don't have to enjoy fighting. I heard one man talk about some people at his church one time, and he said, these people, they're always up for a fight. They will fight at the drop of a hat, and they'll bring the hat. I think Jesus is talking about these kinds of people as well. When he talks about striking someone on the right cheek, he's referring to insult. Not physical violence, but just that backhand slap type of comment that does nothing but hurt people's feelings and make them feel two inches tall. And Jesus confines the arena when he says, when people do this to you, Now, that's challenging. He doesn't say when people do this to your children or when people do this to your spouse or even when people do this to your friends. We've all known the mama bear who comes out to protect her cubs. And I guess that's okay. That's natural instinct. But Jesus is still saying, hey, this matter is when it's done to you. And Paul would join the conversation in Romans 12, and Paul would say, as much as it depends on you, not other people, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And friends, that's a message that the church really needs to hear. We spend a lot of time fighting back on matters that we should have never been fighting about to begin with. If we could just let some things go, overall, we would be a lot holier and happier people. But then Jesus moves from the striking to talk about the suing. He says, if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, we don't really use words like cloaks and tunics in American fashion and design. Dillard's isn't going to send you an email talking about a big tunic sale. But for the Jewish people, that was a pretty significant sense of loss. The tunic was the undergarment, the cloak was the outer garment. And so Jesus says, if someone wants your inside, give them your outside too. Why? So you can keep the peace even though you may have to give up something. Notice in that context, the lawsuit has not yet occurred, but it at least has been threatened. And that sounds just like what Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 when he talked about lawsuits among believers. And Paul said, here's the deal. Don't take matters of the church outside of the church. Don't take matters of the body outside of the body. Don't let the world 
be the court of public opinion for matters that are between you and a fellow brother or sister in Christ? Why not rather just be wronged or be cheated? In fact, Paul says, the evidence that you have lawsuits among you already proves that you've been defeated. What message does that send to the world if the church can't get along? Now, neither Paul nor Jesus say the problems won't happen because they will. Sometimes they're inevitable. Sometimes you can't stop a lawsuit. You can't help it if someone else sues you, even though you didn't sue them. When they've hired a lawyer, you've got to hire a lawyer to protect yourself. But what both Paul and Jesus try to communicate is handle the problem before it escalates. Don't let spiritual matters become worldly concerns. If you're wronged, you're wronged. But at least the problem was handled because you let it go. Have you ever seen churches in the middle of lawsuits? It is one of the ugliest, most detrimental scenes this world can ever witness. And Jesus knew it. And Paul knew it as well. But then Jesus moves on to that third type of relationship, the third S that we're talking about today in our alliteration journey, Jesus mentions serving. He says, if someone forces you to go one mile, then go with him two miles. This was the norm for the day, especially for the Jewish people. The Romans could force Jews at any time to carry their packs for any reason. And most of the time, the journey was for a mile, which is a big reason why during the crucifixion scene, the gospel writers tell us that Simon of Cyrene was forced to carry the cross of Jesus. That was just a normal custom of the day, which the Romans had inherited from the Persians and then from the Greeks. And guess what? We don't blame them for this, but the Jews, the victims of this custom, absolutely despised the process. And so Jesus is speaking to them about something that they could not stand. And Jesus says, you know what? If they force you to go four laps, you give them eight laps. You go above and beyond. Give one mile to Caesar. Give one mile to Christ. Have you ever seen someone go the extra mile? Has someone ever gone the extra mile for you in your life? You know what kind of impression that makes in your heart. And that's the impact that Christ wants his followers to have on the world. And that's the impact that we will have if we're willing to do it. But then one more. We talked about the striking and the suing and the serving But the last one that Jesus mentions is the sharing of money. He says, give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow. Two different scenarios for the sharing of money are mentioned by Jesus. One is a gift, and 
one is alone. And in both scenarios, Jesus does not just say, do it, but Jesus says to do it with pure motives. Now, the Mosaical Law, the Law of Moses, forbid Jews to make loans to fellow Jews and then charge them interest. After seven years, the debt was supposed to be canceled anyway. Have you seen those title loan places in town? They're usually on the corner. They're always together. There's four or five of them, maybe at one four-way intersection. And they will charge exorbitant interest rates, cheating people out of money who don't have the money to begin with. It's a terrible thing when God's people do that to each other. But it happens. In fact, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4, verse 28, that a big reason we work is so that we can help other people not so we can profit from their struggle. And I really think that Jesus' words here apply to more things than just sharing money, but rather sharing goodwill in general. I think Jesus would also add, if you do something nice for a brother or for one of your friends, just do it because it's the right thing to do. Don't do it with an agenda. Don't hold it over their head. Don't plan to cash in on the favor down the road by saying, remember when I did this for you, it's time for you to do something for me. No, Jesus says you share just because it's the right thing to share. So four different relationship scenarios. Regardless if we're talking about the striking or the suing or the serving or the sharing, everything comes back to one main principle. Revenge is God's job. It's not ours. I'll say that again. (laughs) Revenge is God's job. It will never be ours. Now, we might think that revenge is sweet, and it might feel sweet for just a moment but it really isn't. For those of you with little children, I know you can picture this scene about a young boy and his young sister screaming in the living room, and the mom walked in there, and she said, what's going on? And the boy said, my sister pulled my hair. It hurts. She doesn't know what it feels like. And the mom said, I'm sorry, son. Try to let it go. And she left the room, and in just a few minutes, she heard her daughter crying. And so she walked into the room this time, and she said, Now what's going on? And the little boy said, Well, she knows what it feels like now. I mean, that tendency of children really pours over into the tendency of adults. If they've done it to me, I'm going to do it back to them, and then some. But if we seek revenge, regardless of what matter it is in life, money or hurt or pride or position, if we seek revenge, what good comes from it? If we throw that punch or if we voice that sting, what do we prove? Nothing. Other than the fact that we can hold our own with a bunch of thugs. If we refuse to help people because we don't think they've worked hard enough to be helped, if we don't want to reward those who deserve it, 
If we don't share or serve unless there's a benefit coming back to us, what do you think Jesus says about that? I can tell you what he says because he says it here in the Sermon on the Mount. You've got the wrong idea. Nothing belongs to you. You haven't earned anything. And you deserve absolutely nothing. Except death. (laughs) We all deserve death. For we are all sinners. And the wages of sin is death. Paul, speaking on behalf of God, said in Romans 12, 19, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, I will repay, says the Lord. We will be wronged in this life, but one day, God will make it right. And that is His job, not ours. As much as we so often want it to be. We don't join in the evil, but we overcome evil with good. I think Paul places the challenge before us in a profound way when he writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Oh, those are challenging words. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus. Did Jesus turn the other cheek? Well, during his trial, he was struck and insulted time and time again, but he never retaliated. Did Jesus provide his cloak? (laughs) He provided a lot more than that. Did Jesus go the extra mile? I think the cross qualifies. Did Jesus share everything expecting nothing in return? Yes, yes, and most definitely yes. And if our attitude is going to be the same as his, it begins right here in what Jesus had to say about relationships. You see, the world says it takes great courage, it takes great strength to fight back. But Jesus says, I've got a different message for you. It takes great courage. It takes great strength not to fight back. Not to retaliate. For that's how I was. And that's who and what I call my people to be. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, something very different. Are we going to listen? Are we going to act? That is completely up to us. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to turn our ear to these truths of Jesus.